When the subject of Bible prophecy comes up, rarely do Christians consider how the prophetic parts of Scripture can fill our hearts with worship. Instead, they view prophecies as mysteries to be solved or promises about the future that aren't relevant to us today. Those misperceptions are unfortunate because Bible prophecy is very relevant, especially when it comes to our everyday worship of God. In this episode of Foreshadows Report, we're going to learn how Bible prophecy can enhance our worship. Welcome to the first episode of Season 5 of Foreshadows Report. This is Steve Miller. Thank you for joining me for this podcast, and I'm excited about some of the topics we'll cover in this new season. As we explore what Scripture teaches and follow what's taking place around the world, we'll continue our emphasis on learning how to keep watch and find hope as we wait for our Lord's return. No matter how great the darkness around us, God is greater. Through the many prophetic passages in Scripture, we are reminded of the hope waiting for us in the future, a hope that can make our worship deeper and more meaningful. That's why I'm dedicating this episode to showing how Bible prophecy can have an instrumental part in our worship of God. My prayer is that you'll be blessed as you lift it along. Typically, when Christians talk about Bible prophecy, they think in terms of learning what the Bible says about the future or figuring out what will happen during the end times. The prophetic portions of Scripture are often viewed as being mysterious and hard to understand, which is why some people shy away from learning about Bible prophecy. The common perception is that interacting with the prophetic passages in the Bible is more of a mental exercise than anything else. And that's unfortunate because in reality, there are many prophetic passages that contain truths that can be understood clearly, truths that are meant to strengthen our faith and draw us nearer to God. When we take the time to thoughtfully read and reflect upon the prophecies of the Bible, we will discover that they can give us a deeper understanding of who God is, and what he is like. There are prophecies that inform us about God's goodness, his faithfulness, his sovereignty, his wisdom, his holiness, his justice, and his love for us. There are many prophetic passages in the Bible that help us to see God's character on display. And it is for this reason that Bible prophecy can very definitely inspire us to worship God. Before we look at some examples of how Bible prophecy can fill our hearts with worship, let's make sure we have a clear definition of worship. Many Christians associate worship with what we do in church on Sunday. It's common for us to describe church services as worship services. Together, we sing to God and we learn from His Word. But worship is much more than that. Worship has to do with the state of our mind and our heart toward God. It has to do with our thoughts about God and our response to Him. To worship God is to show reverence for Him and to admire His greatness. When we worship God, 
we proclaim that he is worthy of honor and glory and praise because of who he is and what he has done. Worship begins in the heart, and it involves a response to what we know about God. As we reflect on what Scripture reveals to us about God, and as we see God's greatness on display, our response ought to be one of showing reverence for Him, treasuring Him, pursuing Him, and making Him the primary love and focal point of our lives. And the more we know about God, the deeper and more meaningful our worship becomes. God chose to reveal Himself to us through the Bible. All through the Scriptures, He has informed us about who He is and what He is like. We see his character on display on every page, and that includes the prophetic portions of Scripture. Every single Bible prophecy provides us with insights about God and about the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can treasure these insights in our hearts and respond to them by praising and thanking and exalting the Father and the Son for their goodness and greatness. We see a very vivid example of worship take place in the book of Romans. From chapters 1 through 11, the Apostle Paul wrote in great detail about God's incredible grace towards sinners. In spite of the fact that we were enemies of God and there was no one who sought God, God sent His Son to die on our behalf and pay the penalty for our sin. The book of Romans is a wonderful overview of the greatness of God's grace and mercy and love in response to humanity's rejection of Him. Paul wrote one amazing truth after another about the extent of God's love and grace, including the fact that the gift of salvation is eternal and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. By the time Paul reaches the end of Romans chapter 11, he breaks out in spontaneous worship. He's responding to what God has revealed about himself. And he says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? For from him, and through him, and to him, are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. This is a wonderful example of how the truths in Scripture can move our hearts to the point of exalting God and declaring His goodness and greatness. This is worship. Anytime we reflect on the greatness of God, we have the opportunity to express our praise to Him and give Him honor and glory. Now that we have a clear definition of worship, and now that we know worship occurs in response to what God has revealed about Himself in the Bible, let's look at some practical examples of how Bible prophecy can inspire us to worship. In Genesis 12, 7, God made a very specific promise to Abraham. He said the land He was giving to Abraham was for his offspring. God expanded that promise in Genesis 13:15 where he said, "All the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever." 
After Abraham died, God repeated the promise to Isaac, To you and your offspring I will give all these lands. The same promise was made again to Jacob in Genesis 28.13, then to Moses in Deuteronomy 6.10. In Genesis 17.8, God said this land is an everlasting possession. Now, there are some who believe that the promise of this land was good only as long as Israel obeyed God. They say that because Israel rebelled against God and rejected Christ, the land promises no more. But that's not what the Bible teaches. In Leviticus chapter 26, God warned the Israelites about the consequences of disobedience, and one of those consequences is expulsion from the land. But then God said this in verses 44 and 45 about the people of Israel. When they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them. I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers. What covenant had God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that the land would belong to them forever? This would remain true even when the people were expelled from the land. And shortly before the people were taken captive by Babylon, the prophet Jeremiah said that God had given this land to your fathers forever. We read that in Jeremiah 7.7. When God says a promise is forever, He means it. In all these prophecies about the land, we see God's faithfulness on display. Even after the Jewish people were forced into exile, after Rome destroyed Jerusalem in AD 70, and that exile lasted for 2,000 years. The people are now back in the land, and Israel became a nation again in 1948. The very fact Israel is a nation right now is one of the most powerful evidences of God's faithfulness to His people. Whatever God has promised to do, He will do it. He has given us many promises in Scripture, and we can be certain He will fulfill them. Every person who has received Christ as their Lord and Savior is on the receiving end of the same kind of faithfulness God has shown to Israel. That great truth should inspire our hearts to worship. Let's look at another example. In a prophecy given in Jeremiah 25, verses 11 and 12, we see at least three aspects of God's attributes or characteristics on display. We see that He is all-knowing, We see that he is totally sovereign, and we see his justice. To the prophet Jeremiah, God said, This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. Then after seventy years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity. By this time, Jeremiah had already been warning the people of Judah for 23 years. If they didn't turn back to God, they would be taken captive and exiled to Babylon. That's exactly what happened. And just as God said, the captivity lasted for 70 years. And when that time of captivity ended, God immediately sent the Medo-Persian army against Babylon and punished Babylon for its wickedness. God knew in advance the exact length of the captivity. That shows He is all-knowing. 
God used the king of Babylon to conquer the people of Judah. Then he used the Medo-Persian Empire to destroy the Babylonian Empire. In these ways, God shows his sovereignty. As Daniel 2.21 says, God removes kings and sets up kings. Then the fact that God punished the Babylonians shows his justice. Even though the wicked are sometimes allowed to prosper, we can be sure it's only temporary. God will always exercise perfect judgment in his timing. He will not let any evil go unpunished. So upon reading Jeremiah 25 verses 11 and 12, we can exalt God for his omniscience, his sovereignty, and his justice. Moving on to another example. In John chapter 14 verses 2 and 3, Jesus gave us this prophetic promise. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. This promise refers to the rapture. When that great event occurs, the dead in Christ will rise first and be taken up to Christ in the clouds. Then those of us who are alive on earth will be taken up as well. In this promise, we see the greatness of Christ's love for us. He himself is the one preparing this place for us, and he is personally coming to take us to himself, so that where he is, we may be also. He wants us to be in his presence. That's how much he loves us. This passage is a highly personal word to every believer. It shows how much Christ desires for us to be with him, and it shows how much attention he is giving to our future dwelling place. Jesus isn't delegating the work of the rapture to his angels. He wants to bring us directly into his presence himself. This shows how precious we are to him. Anytime we read this prophecy, it should move us to worship. It should fill us with praise and gratitude for Christ's great love for us. These are just a few examples of how Bible prophecy can inspire us toward worship. Every part of Scripture is meant to increase our understanding of God, and that includes Bible prophecies. So anytime we read a prophetic passage, we ought to ask ourselves, what wonderful truths can I learn here about God the Father or God the Son? In what way am I seeing their greatness on display? And how can I respond through praise, adoration, or thanksgiving? How can I grow in my appreciation for God? Worship is not to be taken lightly. The Bible tells us that worship will be our primary occupation in heaven. So when we make a deliberate effort to engage in worship here on earth, we are getting practice for what we will be doing for all of eternity. The beauty of worship is that it helps us to keep our eyes focused on God. And one of the great truths about worship is that it is not possible for us to run out of reasons to worship God. Because God's greatness is infinite, the reasons we have for worshiping Him are infinite as well. And it's wonderful to live with the perspective that every single prophecy in the Bible provides us with insights that can lead to worship.
Thank you for joining me for this episode of Foreshadows Report. Because worship is such a big part of the Christian life, my hope is that you will be more deliberate in your effort to worship the Lord as you reflect on His greatness. And that brings me to a major announcement I'd like to share with you. On October 10th, I have a new book coming out. It's titled One Day Nearer. It's a collection of 365 devotions meant to instruct and inspire us as we live in anticipation of Jesus' return. The book has two parts. Part one includes devotions about living wisely in these last days, and part two provides a panorama of the high points of Bible prophecy all the way from Genesis to Revelation. These devotions are meant to help us understand Bible prophecy better and to see the many ways that prophecy is relevant and meaningful to us right now. The more we take God's prophetic promises to heart, the more we will live each day with an eternal perspective. My goal all through this devotional is to offer encouragement that inspires within us a greater appreciation for God, for Christ, and for what they have done for us, and especially to remind us of the many promises we can cling to as we wait for the rapture. If you go to my website, stevemillerresources.com, you'll see that the book is now available for pre-order. Through the pre-order link, you'll find the book available from different retailers. Because this is a 365-day devotional, it's different from many other prophecy books. It doesn't explore current events. Instead, it's meant to help us understand the big picture of prophecies all through the Bible, especially in connection with Christ's first and second comings. And it offers daily encouragement on how we can live faithfully in these last days. To learn more about One Day Nearer or to pre-order it, go to stevemillerresources.com. Thank you again for joining me for this first episode of Season 5. And I want to give Harvest House Publishers a heartfelt thank you for their continued support of this podcast.